You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hi, and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And on today's episode, we're going to have Trent Bray, who is the founder and owner of Hustle Energy. He's based out of Salt Lake City. But before we get into that, Julie and I are going to talk a little bit about failures in life and business and in general. Yeah. Uh, I love this topic and, you know, part of the reason that I love it is I know um, from prior conversations with um, Trent that he has had a lot of failures in other businesses that he's done. So I'm hoping this topic comes up when we bring him on the show. And I'm curious because I, you know, Corey, you're not one who really looks at, you don't like to fail at all, right? You're, you're, you're pretty stubborn and hardheaded at times. And I'm just kind of curious what you're, why do you think people are so afraid to fail? Uh, I think it's uh, like, I don't even know if, if, if fear is the right, right word for it. It's, it's more about um, like the disappointment and embarrassment that comes along with it. And so, you know, you tell somebody that you're going to train for something and then you don't do it. Or, uh, I mean, even more so, I guess, in terms of like actual fear is if I'm going to, let's say I, I was married and had kids and I wanted to start a business, if I failed, that's going to affect a lot more people than just me. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm, I don't even really consider failure because it's for the majority of my life, it's always been just me. So, you know, if, if the only person who's going to get affected is me. That's interesting. I've never thought about it from that perspective before. And I don't really fear failure either. I mean, I certainly fail at a lot of things and, um, but I'm not, I'm not afraid to fail. And I used to be, have that fear, I guess, of like not wanting to be embarrassed. Um, but I, I think, you know, a lot of times I look at failure as what, what can I learn from it? What can I take away from it? And I, sometimes I'll, I'll approach things as it's more of an iterative process, right? So you try it, like you're going to train for a marathon. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not ready for a marathon, but maybe half marathon. Nope. Maybe a 10 K maybe a 5 K you just, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's that I'm negotiating down from what I want to do, but I, I think I'm, as long as I'm trying things and putting myself out there, I'm not really afraid of failing because I know that I'm at least pushing the envelope on what I can do today. Yeah. And I mean, we've all had things that we've failed at, or, you know, you've fallen and picked yourself back up, hopefully. And the, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't think about doing is, is asking the why after the Mm -hmm. fact, and is it a good idea to try again? Cause a lot of people will fail once and just say, you know what, screw it. I'm not good at this. I'm going to do something else when it's possible that they could fix whatever it was, tweak it in a way, learn a lesson and ultimately succeed. Yeah. Uh, we, I wouldn't think about like our business and when we first started out, right. SB pace, um, it would have been easy to, um, you know, quit after a couple of months because, you know, we, 
but, and we've said this so many times, we went into this thinking, if we build it, they will come. Not true, not true at all. But we just kept pushing forward and looking for, okay, that idea didn't really work or that service isn't really something that's needed out in the market. And so we just kept moving forward and pushing and trying different things until we found the thing that worked. But it's never, I don't think it's ever occurred to either one of us to quit. No. And it's something that I think that, again, back to like the fear or whatever, people just take it personally. But if you look out out in the, the business world, businesses, smart businesses, big businesses, people that they have, you know, people with multiple degrees working for them, they fail, they launch products that are terrible. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is known for doing a couple of things that have been successful. But the one thing that nobody ever talks about are like the 900 things that he's tried, he's tried and failed at. And, and everybody like we love to talk about the the big ones like George Clooney or um, who's the other guy that just sold the the tequila company, not tequila, whatever, gin company. Oh, yeah. I can't think of his name, but I know who you're talking Chris about. Chris Pratt. Was it no, it's not Chris Pratt. It's uh, it doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but like we love to talk about that because we all want to hit it big like that. We all want that big success. But again, I guarantee you that George Clooney has significantly more failures in his life than he does successes. Sure. And I think, you know, when you are, when you're starting a small business or running a small business, I mean, failure, think of all the people that failed in 2020 because they weren't prepared on some level for what was about to happen. And while we could say, ah, it's COVID's fault or the government or whatever, because of the shutdowns, but a lot of businesses closed. They and, and those business owners are probably looking at it like I failed when they may have been a successful business for 20 or 30 or more years. And the one thing that worked against them was they didn't think to, ha- they didn't have enough of a plan for a disaster. And so it kind of put them out and how many of them aren't going to try again? Cause they think I'm not cut out for this. I, I mean, there's a good a good number of people who probably won't because they're discouraged or they were at that point in their their entrepreneurial career where why do I even need to go back to work? I'm just going to go retire on the beach somewhere. And I think the one thing that everybody needs to remember, especially from 2020, is that, I mean, it was a pretty, it was a, a very unique year. So failing during 2020, like having to close your doors during 2020 is not something to, to kick yourself over. It's should be expected, especially in some industries where it was just impossible to keep your doors open. There's, there's no way for you to survive. And if there's like, if everything's against you and the government won't let you open and customers are afraid to come out, you're having supply chain issues. Like, I mean, you can pivot and change and do all that, but at some point you might have to make that decision of it. It's just smarter to close. Yeah. And so that's not necessarily a failure and it's not necessarily your failure, but you can't, regardless of how you look at failure, it happens and it happens to all of us. And you have to be able to decide if that's something you want to bounce back from, or if you're just going to take the lessons and kind of, you know, call it quits. And there's, the answer is different for everybody. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's what you do with failure when it happens. Right. And definitely learning those lessons and, and using them. It, it, again, it doesn't have to be for the same thing. If you open up a, a business and it fails, you're going to learn a lot of things, but 
you need to know why. And maybe it's because you weren't looking at your finances or you, you didn't have a good sales strategy or whatever. Maybe your product wasn't good. Doesn't mean you can't open another business. Right. Yeah. Fail- we should. Ideally, everybody's looking to learn from the failures, find the lessons, and then take them forward with you on the next thing that you do. That's really the best thing that you can do with it. And I just remembered Ryan Reynolds. That I, was, guy, I know. That, I was going to say Ryan Reynolds too. I'm like, for all the listeners that were out there screaming, <laughs> it's Ryan Reynolds. That guy doesn't fail. <laughs> he does not fail. He had sold the gin company. Yes. You are correct. Yes. It's so funny that we both thought of it. It's good stuff. Um, well, I think that's enough on failing. Let's talk about uh, something a little more positive. So we'll, we'll bring Trent on here in a minute to learn about his company, Hustle Energy. It's a focused drink. Well, it's a powder. You make a drink out of it. Uh, Julie and I both have tried it. It's delicious. It's great. Julie might be hopped on, on it right now. Um, <laughs> I might be. You don't know. Or do you? <laughs> but uh, let's yeah, take, let's take pick- a quick break. What's up, everybody? My name is Trent from Hustle Energy And I created the Hustle Focused Energy product out of my own need when I couldn't focus on my side hustle to take it to the next level. So many products are chock full of caffeine and sugar and other harmful substances. So what I did is I created something that is a powder drink mix designed to help you focus without the need of caffeine. But if you'd like to learn more about this product, go check out the website hustle.energy and follow me on Instagram as well at hustle.energy. Welcome back. We've got Trent Bray of Hustle Energy out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Good to have you, Trent. Hey, thank you, Julie and Corey. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on here and speak to your audience. Yeah, well, you know, we immediately decided we needed you on our podcast after you um, had us as a guest on yours, and it was so much fun talking with you. And I think we probably could have riffed for hours because it was just a really (laughs) good connection for all of us. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk about a number of things with you, but we're going to start by talking about failures and being an entrepreneur, right? So you, you've done a number of things starting, you've been an entrepreneur since you were like 14. Um, and you've had some failures along the way, and I'm sure you've learned from them. So you want to share with our listeners, some of the, some of the stories of, of failure and, and how that led you to where you are today and obviously telling everybody about your, your new product and what you're doing there. Yeah. So I think failures, you know, with my, my own podcast, I try and emphasize, you know, with people, what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Because failures happen, but failures are truly only failures if you learn nothing from it and just resent it and look back and think of all the bad about it. But for me personally, you know, I think of failures as opportunities to learn. And so with me personally, at the time, I didn't think this, but I've I've picked that up over the years. So um, both my parents were entrepreneurs. So I saw a lot of that entrepreneurship aspect, but at the same time, I'm the youngest in my family. And so I saw them at their most successful. So it was the glamorous side of entrepreneurship. They were able to take trips whenever they needed to. And yes, they put in a lot of hard work, but it's like, okay, I I think I have a grasp on this. So I first, I started my first business when I was 14 doing web design, you know, reverse engineered the code just because there was no YouTube there. I couldn't go drive to a bookstore to learn HTML or whatnot. Uh, So it was uh, something that was really in demand at the time. 
So I was building websites for friends, family, eventually businesses, and right time, right place, ended up purchasing some vending machines. So I was like, this entrepreneurship thing is so easy. Like I can just start whatever I want and go for it and it's going to be successful. <laughs> Turns out life has a way of kicking you, kicking you down every once in a while and making sure you eat some humble pie. But um, I ended up starting uh, an automotive parts distribution company that really didn't do anything. And looking back, it was a hundred percent my fault. Uh, but, you know, there was, you, you mentioned kind of the ego thing. There was always this stigma around me that uh, growing up around, you know, high school and things like that, where it's like, oh, well, he's the business guy, you know, he's got this all figured out. And um, there's a lot of hate that came from that too. But, you know, you always think, oh, I've got to be this, this person, I've got to be this type of person. Well, it, it really was a hit to the ego when it's like, all right, I've got to pick up a seasonal job at Best Buy. Like I have to, like, that's just kind of something I have to do. And, you know, it's just, it's just seasonal, you know, it's, I'm not there for for the long term. And then seasonal turns into full-time turns into supervisor turns into anyway, it's like, Oh, well I can make this a career path. And I found out very quickly. I hated retail because there is not, not so much the customers, anything like that. It was the fear-based structure that they had. It was, there was a general manager that we had that had like number of years of success, like month, every, every month for several years, he increased sales, wherever, whatever store he went to. And he had one bad month and his job was on the line. It's like, there is no loyalty here. You are extremely replaceable. And that's where it's like, all right, I need to get back into starting my own thing. And through a number of years, number of trials, did video production, uh, did wedding photography, you know, name any easy barrier to entry business. I tried it, still failed at it. <laughs> and through this, I learned the power of persistence because really I got through all these things or I, why these things weren't successful is because I thought it was, I still thought it was easy. I still thought, okay, if I put in some effort, it's going to click, but I didn't realize how much effort and how long you have to put in that effort until the most recent venture that I'm working on. And it, it's interesting because uh, ego is often used like in a negative way. It's, you know, kind of like, oh, he's got such an ego or whatever, but there, there needs to be a balance there because if you didn't have that ego, you wouldn't have gone and tried all these different ventures. And I feel like that's the same for a lot of small business owners is that you have like, nobody's going to start a business believing that they're going to fail. Like, like you're going to start because you know that you're, you, you know, you're going to succeed. Um, so where did you find that balance between too much and too little ego? That's a good question. I hadn't actually thought of it in that way before. So I, I really like that quite really like that uh, perspective uh, where, you know what, you, you do need to have some of that. And to be honest with you, I probably need that a little bit more because I've taken a, a big step back from that. I've always been kind of shy and introverted. So I don't like to draw a lot of attention to the things that I've done, but over the last couple of years, I've gone through a personal development journey and realized, Hey, you know, you gotta have, you gotta 
toot your own horn a little bit so that, you know, people will understand, okay, maybe he knows a little bit of what he's talking about. Let's work together. And, you know, that's helped create some partnerships and some other things that I've been working on. Um, so I, I haven't thought of it in that regard, but I definitely could be decent, be doing some introspection today after, after you mentioned that, that maybe I am, uh, not quite in balance with the ego. Always good to uh, get our guests to do a little bit of thinking post show. Um, <laughs> I told this story recently uh, to um, a, a group of people that, um, you know, I think it's kind of related to ego, maybe more just like internal self-esteem, right? So um, when we started SB Pace, I had also just moved to this area, to Richmond. And so I don't know a ton of people here. And then, you know, COVID happened and the world just really, really changed. And so the circle of people that you were hanging out with regularly or interactions, change, they changed for everybody, right? But I um, had spent, you know, the last couple of years really heavy on personal development like you. And I think it took me until late in the year of 2020 to realize, like, so working with Corey, he's a great, he's a, he's a tremendous business partner. And, um, you know, I know he always has my back. But he's not the guy that says, hey, good job, or wow, you're really killing it on that. And while I don't, I, I like to tell myself that I don't need to hear that. What I realized is that when I went pretty much like eight or nine months without ever hearing it, it really started to impact my self-talk where I just was like questioning everything that I was doing. And so my goal for 2021 was to find ways that I could improve my self-talk and not need to hear from anyone like, hey, you're doing a great job because I can't, I shouldn't have to depend on that. But it was really, it's been a balancing act for me, maybe a little bit different than ego or, or maybe it's not, maybe it's the same thing, but that's been one of the toughest things for me over the past year. Yeah, for, for me, uh, telling somebody nice job is like one of the biggest compliments you can get, <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I, I'll, I'll be that uh, person for you, Julie. Julie, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. You know, and I, I managed to mention that uh, on a Facebook group just the other day too. I, you're a great person to know. And uh, Corey, you know, I haven't known you as, as long. So I can't say you're killing it, but you know what, what I know so far, you're, you're a great person. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. And when I need some, uh, some little, you know, a pat on the back, I'm, I'm coming to you, Trent. <laughs> I'm, do you, do you not you. know the, the contract that John DeGroff and I have? No. Oh, we, we have a verbal contract that every time we're in a clubhouse room, the other person follows and says nice things about each other. So like I'll follow John into a room about insurance and I'll completely disrupt the conversation and be like, you know what, John's one of the greatest guys ever, you know, everybody should be doing business with him, all this. And then, you know, he'll follow me into a podcasting room or something and he'll be like, you know what, Trent's just the greatest guy and all this. And we have this contract. Anytime we're, we're in a uh, clubhouse room, uh, 
or we're both on clubhouse we've got to go in and be each other's hype person so i love that everybody <laughs> needs a hype man yeah. everybody does and that that's so great so you found your way you wove your way through all of these different entrepreneur things and um man the the loyalty on corporate like spoke to me so heavily <laughs> like it's just not there um so that story resonated with me but you eventually found your way to your latest venture, which um, I really think is going to be one that is, unless you turn around and sell it to somebody, this is a long-term thing because this product is good. Tell us about it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, me, I believe in it personally. Uh, so I do believe this is a long-term play. There isn't uh, an ex exit strategy involved in it, at least at this point. So um what it ended up being is I, to, to reel it back a little bit, I was working nine to five. I hated it. I wanted to get out and, you know, I've got a young family, I've got community obligations, all these different things where at the end of the day, I still want to work on my side hustle, but I don't have the focus. I don't have the energy. I don't have those things that I need to really work on it. I just want to go to bed. So even though the desires there, it was hard to focus on those, on those things. And it's like, if I have, something full of caffeine, I'm going to, I'm going to be up all night and that's just going to throw off my day tomorrow. So I was like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be some other product out there. And so I started uh, working on this idea um, probably about seven years ago. And it just kind of kicked around in the back of my head. You know, I, I didn't really do anything with it. And then finally about three years ago, I was like, all right, I've got to do something with this. And so I put forth you know, basically full-time effort into creating this product. It actually started for, started out as a gummy. So like a gummy bear, I spent a year with a manufacturer. I just wanted something different that wasn't a capsule. You know, it's just a capsule, another capsule on the market's white noise. And so it's like, I wanted a different vehicle to deliver this. And uh, the manufacturer at the time was brand new. They're like, oh yeah, we'll take your small order of a couple hundred thousand gummies. Whereas, you know, most people they're like, I won't turn on the machine for, for less than a million. And so uh, they were like, yeah, we'll take your order. We go through, we create a custom mold for it, for custom shape, all this stuff. And they ended up getting so busy after a year. Finally, I gave up. I'm like, this isn't working out. And so I needed to find something else. I knew no other gummy manufacturer would take me with what I was able to uh, put up front capital wise. And so uh, my brother-in-law around the same time, he's like, hey, there's this new uh, supplement. He's, in, he's involved in the pharmaceutical industry. He's like, I'm taking this new supplement. It's designed for e-gaming, but I think you'll really like it. And so, uh, and that's one of the main ingredients in the product. It's called New Level. And I started taking this supplement and I'm like, wow, this is great. And uh, it's tasteless. You mix it in with water. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is really good. You could build something around this. And this was right at the time that the gummy wasn't working out. I'm like, well, let's, I, I want to try and work with something like this. And so, you know, I kind of came up with a, an idea on formulation. Uh, my brother-in-law, who, like I mentioned, is in the pharmaceutical industry, told me why this wouldn't work and kind of helped me refine those sort of things. And uh, then found a manufacturer here locally, went through all sorts of different trials of taste. And uh, I mean, there's, I felt like I'd gotten kicked to the ground a couple dozen times over the year. We went to trial production four separate times and each time it 
didn't pass like it just something was always off and it's like who knows if this product's ever going to come out uh but i stuck with it because i believed in the vision i believed in what it could be and finally after three years of trials it came out uh just a couple of months ago and so it's exciting to see that and then i get to this point that's like oh now i gotta sell this thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah one of the things that i i like about your product um is the fact that you know there's none of the caffeine or sugar or any of that in there that um a lot of companies you know they'll just they they stuff it in there because it's an, an easy way um you know, to, to get the desired result. And so it's, it's nice having something that doesn't have that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty stingy on that where it's like, you know, I, I, you, we get so much caffeine from so many other sources. We don't need it in this. And you know what, caffeine has a big boost that you feel and then a crash. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with the crash. Yeah. I'm curious how much your past failures from the other businesses and other things that you started um, played into the things that you learned and sort of had a quicker um, ramp up time for starting this business, excluding the product development part, right? Which I think, was this your first product? This is my first physical product I've ever launched. Yeah. So, so when you're talking about, you know, just the, the other business elements, right? Of, and I always, I have so much admiration for people who develop products. I just, I, I think, I, I could never, I don't think I have the capacity to do it. There's so much involved with it, but um, from just that's running the business perspective and the things that you learned as you, you know, failed and sometimes failed fast with your other businesses, or how did that give you a leg up? So I think it would, it helped a little bit in, you know, things to look out for, but at the same time, I still feel like it was a completely different ball game because, you know, I'd done a lot of service-based things before and, you know, it's, you typically market those a little bit different. You, um, you make connections a little bit different in doing that. And so, uh, in terms of like actually getting it out there, I feel like I was completely lost, but obviously setting up the business, the foundations, things like that, it was pretty straightforward, you know, of, um, set up LLCs, you know, a couple dozen of them over the years and business bank accounts and things like that. So that was just like, that was the easy stuff that gets some people hung up. So I guess in that, in that way, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty easy. And now it's, now it's the execution for the rest of the things uh, that, you know, are basically tripping me up now. Um, I want to get into, you mentioned service and you worked in service industry and, you know, all of that. Um, and I'll, that's something that a, a lot of people, especially if you're an online business or you're selling, selling a service, uh, you know, such as a, your accountant, lawyer, whatever, like how much customer service is, I mean, it's, it's similar across the line. Like there, there are certain things that people expect, um, you know, from certain brands, certain products. So for instance, I ordered your product and, you know, we got it in the mail. It showed up quickly. Um, There's a, you know, nice handwritten letter that, you know, went along with it. And so the, the customer service side, is that something that, you know, you've picked up over the years or is it just, did you have to change anything when you got into this business? So I did change things when I got into this business just to honestly help, um, you know, the, the loyalty side of things. So with 
the service-based business, there's only so much you can do that's extra. So like with your company, for example, if you go above and beyond, you may go in the wrong direction of what the company is expecting. Um, so if you set up, um, you know, a, an account for them and you think this is going to really work well for them, but that's not really a part of their strategy, well, that, that kind of backfired. But for this with a product, it's actually easier in my opinion, because you know what, they, they make the transaction, they know exactly what they're getting. Uh, you know, this is the, the, the bottle of the focus formula and it's easy to put those extra touches like the handwritten note, the throwing in a free shaker bottle and things like that, where it's like, yeah, there's a cost associated with that, but I just consider it a marketing cost because I've gotten more people to share and post about the product because of that handwritten note. The people are like, Hey, I got this product. It's great. Whatever. But did you see this? He actually took the time for every single order. I'll sit there and write a handwritten note. And uh, even when it's busy days where I've got a million other things to do, I've got lots of orders to ship out. I will make sure to stop and write that handwritten note. And that little touch gets me more shares on social media and helps me out with my marketing than more than anything else that I can do. And you don't just write a little handwritten note, you write a paragraph. <laughs> and I like to call those handwritten notes, I call it the Arate effect, right? I right. think that pretty much everybody who is part of that networking community does handwritten thank you notes for their, their products or their services. And it's a really nice touch. I love when I get the handwritten notes. So in, and yours was really good. I, I read it and I actually laughed because I was like, yep, that, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> and, and I did forget to mention the shaker bottle, which I really did appreciate because I've been using a broken one for like the past like three years. So I was like, oh, well, <laughs> un unfortunately, I just got some brand new ones. Uh, like, you know, uh, yesterday, I think I got them. So I've got to, I got to send you a new one. And I thought I had one seen right here, but I just took it into the sink to wash it. But <laughs> well, would now be a good time to tell you that I dropped the lid on the floor when I was washing it and <laughs> he might need a new one. Yeah. Well, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've loved this conversation. Um, but we need to wrap. So can you let our listeners know, one, how to find you, and two, where they can get your fantastic product? Well, I, I appreciate the being on the show and having an opportunity to talk to you both again. It's really been a great conversation. So uh, the best place to find me personally is on Instagram. I spend most of my time there. It's Trent V. Bray. Um, or then the company is at hustle.energy on Instagram. And from there, you'll find links to take you to the website and uh, all the fun things we're working on. Perfect. Well, we will put all of that information in the show notes so that um, people can easily find you. So our listeners can find you. And um, you're also on Clubhouse. So yes, you can come yeah. and come and hear how amazing you are there and maybe <laughs> get in a room with you and John and John can be your hype man and they can hear how that works. So, right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> thank you for thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated it. And if you want to connect with us, uh, you can go to our websites, sbpace.com, 
and bizquickpodcast.com. And we've got links to all of our socials out there. So we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yep. And I am also on Clubhouse. If you want to find me there, you can subscribe to our podcast. Make sure that you give us a review and like it while you're out there because we love reviews. And reach out to us about any topics that you may want us to cover or if you want to be a guest on our podcast. We also have a book out there. It's called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon and it has a digital workbook download that goes along with it. Yeah. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 